Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Today's cool fact of the day is that, get this, women tend to get drunk faster than men do. Like, who would have thought? Well, the obvious reason is that women are smaller than men on average, so less tissue to absorb the alcohol. So that would make sense. That's just a dosing issue. But the other thing that's interesting is that women tend to have more fat than men. Uh, Well, there's an obvious reason for that. It's called boobs. And (laughs) they also have less water than men. So... Not only are they smaller physically on average, but there's more alcohol present in the bloodstream just because there's less water. And women have less of an enzyme called ADH or alcohol dehydrogenase, which is what helps your body get the alcohol out of the system. So basically for women, more of what they drink enters the bloodstream as pure alcohol. And that's why you're probably a lighter weight if you're a woman, unless you drink like five or six days a week, in which case you're probably not a lightweight because you're an alcoholic. At that point, you've upregulated your ability to make that enzyme, but other bad things are happening to you biologically. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. Today's guest is Ariane Resnick. She's a special diet chef and a certified nutritionist 
who uses organic farm-to-table clean ingredients with a focus on restricted diets. She wrote the Amazon best-selling The Bone Broth Miracle, and her new book, and the reason I'm interviewing her today, is called The Thinking Girl's Guide to Drinking, thus the cool fact of the day. She's a biohacker, and she was at last year's Bulletproof Conference, and I've just enjoyed getting to know her and find that she really thinks interestingly about these things. So, Arian, why did you write a book about getting drunk for girls? Well, I'm a thinking girl, so it's my perspective on drinking, not so much just a book for women. My first book, The Bone Broth Miracle, the most interesting aspect to the people who talked to me about it was the last chapter, which was bone broth cocktails. There were two elements of that that really kind of captured people, and one was the idea of using a whole food to mitigate some of the effects of alcohol. And the other one was the very simple fact that I drink. Like it really shocked people that I would promote alcohol as part of a healthy lifestyle. And it shocked me that it shocked people so much because I'm a human. And we all do things for enjoyment, no matter how health conscious we are. So I really wanted to show people that drinking can be part of a healthy lifestyle and it doesn't have to be with really bland, plain cocktails. And the book is about 25% mocktails because I also wanted to show people that if you don't drink, you can still have a good time with an assortment of really health-promoting fun beverages. Now, you said you promote drinking as part of a healthy lifestyle. Did you actually think (laughs) drinking is good for you? Small amounts of alcohol have obviously been shown to have health-promoting effects. I do not advocate drinking in the capacity of go out and get drunk every night by any means. What I do is work with what people are doing anyway. And people drink. It's about 60 to 70% of the population consumes alcohol. So rather than be a vigilante who says, you shouldn't do this, there are aspects of it that are bad for you, I am instead a person who says, you're going to do this, why don't you do it in a way that doesn't make you feel so bad, and that you use some ingredients that help prevent some of those negative effects. Okay, so That makes a lot more sense to me. You're following a harm reduction strategy for alcohol, not saying it's good for you. I mean, they've shown small amounts of different alcohols have health benefits. In, in some I'm studies. I'm going to drink a glass of wine every other night, have a 20% reduced risk of stroke. There are aspects of it that are healthful. It has toxins, for sure. I don't have any vantage point of forget about all that. What I say is you're going to do it because we're human and it's okay to do things that aren't 100% health perfect. But if you're going to do them, do them in a way that's healthier. Do them in a way where you feel great afterwards instead of terrible afterwards. And do them with fun, great quality foods that you're probably eating anyway. All right, so, so I, I agree with you on, on that point. And this is an area where I've seen the alcohol industry, particularly the wine industry, fund studies and, and look at ways of saying, oh, alcohol is good for you, like we've got this study. And then there's about a thousand PubMed studies that if you just Google alcohol and cancer and, and look at that on PubMed, you'll find, okay, you got a 20% reduction in stroke, but an increase in cancer. So I'm like, look, yes, people drink. Right? And, and they're going to do it, so you might as well do it in a way that, that doesn't harm yourself. But I don't want us to go down that path of telling people, oh, you should drink a little bit every day to prevent Alzheimer's disease or some other BS like that. And people say that, and, and it kind of makes me mad. I don't tell people to drink daily by any means, <laughs> and I don't drink daily. <laughs> 
cool. I appreciate that. I just want to be really clear for listeners because I'm like, look, alcohol isn't good for you, but you might do it. And if you're going to, like, how can you make it so you get the fun? But you know, pie isn't good for either, but I eat pie on occasion. It's probably exactly. gluten-free pie, but same difference, right? Exactly. <laughs> okay. And that is very much the point. There's no, there's no part of this where I'm saying, like, start drinking more. It's great for okay. you. That's, that's not a thing. Now, which is better for you, pie or alcohol? Personally, I mean, I'd go for cake. Because I'm not a pie person. <laughs> pie is such a waste of flour. It's not even sweet. Like, why are you doing like flour and butter to me just makes no sense without something to sweeten it. So pie is pie is off the table for me. All right, I I hear you there. So you're a cake a cake versus, but you'd make a garbanzo person. cake, wouldn't you? Aren't you famous for your garbanzo cake? Isn't that like how you got hired? That's by... how I that's how I got hired for my first chef job. You have a great memory. Thank you. Oh, uh, you're welcome. All right. Is there such a thing as an alcohol recipe with garbanzo beans? Because our friend JJ Virgin would jump up and down if she knew about that because she's like Miss Garbanzo Bean. Do you have a recipe for garbanzo alcohol? You could use the bean aquafaba, the bean water that's so popular nowadays, for a vegan version of egg whites in a cocktail. And yes, no that kidding. is done. All right. I am going to make one of those for JJ just to like be garbanzoed. Um, thank you for the idea, by the way. No problem. One of the things that I, I found really intriguing about your book is that you are mixing things that traditionally have no business being an alcohol, bone broth, uh, and I use collagen. We make bone broth at the Bulletproof Coffee Shop. We don't have an alcohol license, uh, and I don't know that I would sell alcohol as part of like the whole Bulletproof thing. But if you were going to drink, how do you possibly use bone broth or like, like collagen? Why would you put that in alcohol? It's such a weird idea. And by the way, I like weird ideas. That's not a criticism. That's a compliment. <laughs> I have um, one of the chapters of the book, because it's divided into chapters based on different whole foods. One of the chapters of the book is called College Plus Gin Equals Collagen. And on the one hand, it uses foods that increase collagen production. And on the other hand, we recommend adding bulletproof collagen, a scoop to each drink. And then if you're vegan and you don't want to do that, you're still consuming things that increase collagen production. Every ingredient that I use in the book has health effects outside of alcohol, but also has specific effects that help mitigate some of the negative effects of alcohol. So one thing that alcohol is known for doing is not making people age quite so gracefully. <laughs> you're saying alcohol makes you look old? Is that what I heard it, you say? It's not like people who have alcohol issues have a really youthful face. People who have any kind of issues don't mm -hmm. tend to have a really youthful face. By using foods to mix that are collagen promoting foods, you can help reduce the lack of collagen that's a result of the alcohol consumption. And then if you don't drink, there are mocktails that just help with collagen production and you look even better than all those people who do. Now, why would people care about collagen? The same reason that people would care about anything else. They'd care about collagen. You care about what will make you look and feel good. It's our nature, in society so, at least. Maybe not out in the forest, but as far as where we are right now, we tend to care about how we look and we tend to care about how we feel. Now, alcohol reduces your level of glutathione in the body. Glutathione is this detoxing compound. And glutathione is made out of vitamin C and some other stuff, some amino acids and alpha-lipocast and whatever. So if you drink a lot, alcohol is going to reduce vitamin C. And since your collagen is also made out of vitamin C, your body's like, all right, protect the liver, which takes vitamin C, or go ahead and build new tissues like healthy blood vessels, healthy skin, healthy bones out of collagen. So you're basically 
choosing between one of the two, unless you do what you're talking about in your book, where you're saying, all right, well, you could take some collagen, so then you have the building blocks for collagen, or use foods high in vitamin C, or maybe just take vitamin C. What are some of the foods, say, a vegan could put in their alcohol in order to have less of an effect from the alcohol? Uh, in terms of collagen? Or just in terms of stuff you recommend, like, like kind of walk oh, you through nice. it. Well, the collagen chapter, we use things like white tea and blackberries. There are millions of options. The ones I focused on were the most accessible. So okay. kombucha is available pretty much anywhere in the country now. I have a chapter on that chocolate and chocolate products because most people really enjoy chocolate and we use it as cocoa powder both raw and the typical roasted as well as chocolate extract and that sort of thing lemons and limes are kind of an obvious one basically i went for anything that had at least one really strong aspect of either detoxification or anti-inflammation or anti-nausea or collagen promotion i chose uh, I chose foods that had strong health effects in general that also would play in well with the things we know alcohol does to our bodies. Okay. Tell me the worst thing alcohol does to your body. I think that's probably opinion, but I would have to say the after effects. If you don't do it right, how you feel the next day. I mean, that's everyone's complaint. No one says... I'm drunk right now and I'm having such a bad time unless they've had too much for the most part it's a fun experience and that's why we do it and obviously you want to stop before you hit that point I don't in any way advocate getting drunk and I don't myself and I haven't since I was probably in my 20s when that's what you do until your body's like no no you don't do that anymore okay so how you feel afterwards and what is the single best like food ingredient that's going to reverse feeling crappy the next morning? Well, I definitely recommend taking caution before you drink. To pay attention to what you eat. Don't have a whole bunch of refined carbohydrates so you're on a blood sugar high and low cycle before you start adding alcohol, which is full of sugar, into the picture. Eat proteins and fats, and if you want carbs, have fiber-filled sweet potato-type carbs beforehand where you're slowing down the absorption. What you eat right before you drink is huge. And what you consume along with what you drink. We have lots of drinks that have like fresh coconut water in them because that's great for a hangover. So why not have it with the electrolytes along with the alcohol? And ideally, you want to avoid the hangover situation, period. And with a drink or two in general, most people can. So what I'm really doing is helping ensure that, that with a drink or two of this sort of thing instead of that sort of thing, you're much more likely to just feel great the next day because we're not using... There's no refined sugar added to anything. There's no mixers with corn syrup. I mean, the mixing, the mixing world of the non, on the non-alcoholic side is insane. The things they add to commercial products are just nuts. So we really avoided all of those. So the best ingredient to mix with the alcohol to feel good the next morning is caution. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and intelligence. The thinking girl. That's the point. Do this in a way, you're going to do it, do it in a way that is a little bit smarter and that feels good and you still can have a good time. That's the point. We're very much here to have a good time. We need that. We need to de-stress. And there are definitely more healthy ways to de-stress and I do those as well. But there's nothing wrong with using alcohol as an aid to have a lovely evening in a way that tastes good. What alcohol is the best alcohol to choose for a thinking girl? I believe very much in listening to your own body. 
there are scientific studies that will say one thing is better than another. And in my personal experience, I kept trying when I wanted wine to drink white wine instead of red because it's supposed to be better for you. So unfortunately, white wine makes me unconscious. In about 30 to 60 minutes after a glass of wine, I am like, like I'm just done. And I, I can't even generally be woken up, which is very much not the way I sleep. So I drink red wine, even though it has elements in it that for plenty of people, according to science, should affect them more negatively than like white what? wine does. What, what's in red wine that should make it... Most people think red wine's healthier than white wine. Like, what's the well, difference? Well, the, the way in which red wine's considered healthier is because of the resveratrol, but there just isn't enough to... <laughs> <laughs> what do they say? You'd have to drink, like, 50 gallons to get the, what you're looking for out of a pill? I think I have the equivalent of, of probably 500 gallons worth of wine every day in the exactly. resveratrol and, and related compounds of polyphenols that I, that I take. So, yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. But so why, why is white wine supposed to be healthier than red then? I think that's a question for you because you're one of the big advocates of that. Oh, I, I am, but I'm just saying you like, wrote a book on it, so uh, I, I don't want to give a lecture. I wrote a, I wrote a book much more on how to choose wisely for yourself based on how things make you feel. Okay, so you look at how you feel. That's yeah. something where we have, we have a lot of alignment on it. And my, my recommendations on white wine are that red wine tastes better, which is maybe something that's valuable, but that red wine tends to have more of the mitochondrial inhibiting toxins, particularly called OTA, than white wine. And the best choice uh, on average for people is to drink a dry white French wine because they're best. And... Uh, I actually have uh, some good friends at Dry Farm Wines. Uh, go to bulletproof.com or bulletproofexec.com slash wine, and I have like links to, to a low-toxin wine, so you can drink a red wine instead of a, uh, instead of a moldy red wine. You can drink a non-moldy red wine, and I feel a very big difference because of like the quality of the fermentation. And even there, it's like, okay, we like to tell ourselves... Red wine is red wine, but there are thousands of compounds in there, and there, white wine is white wine. And I imagine that if you were to waste uh, 500 nights of your life by testing out a whole bunch of different white wines, you'd be like, oh my God, when I drink the 2008 white wine from this wine, uh, this winery, I feel totally good. Like this one's clean and this one's not clean, right? And what clean means for you biologically might be different than for someone else. Exactly. And, and, and that is the, the confusing thing here. And then there's the overall thing. Even if you don't feel it, it's probably not that good for you. So like there are some compounds like mercury. Like I don't feel mercury right away or I don't know that I feel it. But really, if mercury's in your wine, you probably ought to not drink that wine. Just saying, right? For sure. <laughs> or be intelligent about it and take chlorella with it. Exactly. Or selenium. So, so what do you recommend then for, for someone who's like, all right, I decided I want to drink something tonight. I have a choice. I can have tequila I can have vodka, I could have champagne, you know, I can have beer. Like, like, you're sort of like, well, just test them out so you know it makes you feel good? Well, typically by the time people are looking at a cocktail book, they have an idea about alcohol. You definitely okay. want to be intelligent about what you choose, and you want to be informed about what you choose. When you say champagne, people should know, well, for one, even though it's lower in alcohol, it's going to get you drunk faster because of the carbon dioxide. So you want to put that in the context of what you're looking for. Do you want a really short night? Are you looking to just share a bottle of something with a couple people, have a great cheers, have a great moment, get a buzz, let it wait off, like, let it wait off for an hour or so, and go home? Or are you looking for something that you know your body tolerates a bit better, 
and that you know you can mix with things that will help mitigate its effects and you want a longer evening. And we do things like a lot of the cocktails are, of course, tequila-based, vodka-based, gin-based, hard alcohols, but we also do a lot of mixing things like sherry or port or champagne with non-alcoholic things. So a lot of the alcohol cocktails are really low in alcohol, which is great for people who don't have a high tolerance or just don't want a ton of alcohol, but do still want a little bit of something. I hear you there. I'm thinking about all the times that I regretted drinking, and there are more than a few. Uh, back when I was in college and I was pushing 300 pounds, I remember I would drink beer. In fact, this was at uh, UC Santa Barbara, and we had something called, I think it was Brew 102, like perfect after the 101st, and it was cheaper than buying Shasta Cola, like the off-brand wow. cola. So uh-huh. that was what college students would serve at parties. It was profoundly bad beer. And I was like, I drink this, and after three beers, I just want to go to sleep. So I'm like, what if you have three beers and three shots of espresso? And I'm like, this is the best night ever. Uh, and I literally would do that because I'm like, wow, like this is the perfect high for me. Like now I'm full of energy and I'm I'm drunk and I'm probably just like an asshole. But this is more in retrospect. We have actually one of the chapters is called Cafe O Stay Up Late, <laughs> and it's it's coffee based cocktails. And totally. of course, I recommend that if you are sensitive to caffeine, you use decaf. But they're also really good ones for the mocktails that are in the chapter because you can still get a buzz from caffeine, maca, hishowu, that sort of thing, without the alcohol. Because just because I love totally the can. idea that just because you don't want alcohol doesn't mean you don't want to have any sort of consciousness altering. You still may be looking for that, you just don't specifically want alcohol. And that's another thing we use in the book is kava, which yeah. has grown in popularity a lot. And it's calming, anti-anxiety, all those sorts of things. I'm a completely non-alcoholic. It's just a root. Do you mix kava and alcohol together in a drink? We only do that in one drink. And I did that because I wanted to offer people an option that really took away the negative taste of kava. And I discovered in testing that alcohol can do that better than anything. It um, It was an interesting experience to work with kava within the framework of trying to make it into something that people who didn't necessarily drink kava would enjoy. If you've ever had it, you know what it tastes like. Yeah, that's that's a challenge to make it taste good. And it's interesting, too, because alcohol activates some GABA B receptors, and GABA is a calming amino acid uh, neurotransmitter in the brain. So for some people, the people who are kind of chilled out by alcohol, they're getting that action. And if you stack it with kava... You could have a really nice night, right? And just you're maybe having less alcohol, and the kava could be synergistic with that. But I agree with you there. It's a challenge to formulate something with kava that tastes good, other than a capsule where you just swallow it with a shot of vodka. And then, well, <laughs> it, is there uh, is there a benefit to having the alcohol mixed versus just like drinking a shot of something and then also like having the other compounds in a different beverage? Like, could you have some kava tea and alcohol separately or why would you mix them other than flavor? For effects in general is why we mix foods with the specific alcohols we do for both taste and kind of to simulate a lot of those classic cocktail flavors without using the harmful ingredients. Because quite often it's not just the alcohol that makes you feel sick, it's all the sugars you add to it. So the less you do that, the better you'll feel. And everyone has different 
elements of alcohol consumption that bother their particular body. So if you notice you have a yeast reaction to alcohol, having probiotics, and then we have also drinks with prebiotics and probiotics in them so that you're feeding the probiotics, the probiotics are help canceling out the effects of getting rid of your good gut flora, then that's a better choice for you. I've always loved the concept of like Irish coffee, like putting alcohol in coffee because well, like the first product I ever made, turns out it was the first e-commerce product ever was a t-shirt that said caffeine, my drug of choice. I was trying to pay for my uh, my college education and I ended up as like a 22 year old or something being an entrepreneur magazine for having sold this thing over this new thing called the internet that no one's ever heard of. Awesome. Uh, but every time I would put alcohol in my coffee, I would get like the worst heartburn. Like it, it was painful and I spent like a year on, on acid blockers a couple years after mm-hmm. that. But even to this day, if I put, uh, and I have a, a healthy GI tract and all, if I put alcohol in, in coffee, I, I do not like how my GI tract feels. Do you know why that is or how you can counteract that? I would think it would be the acid combination because you're not just having an acidic food. You're having an acidic food with another acidic food. Well, it, it, could, it could also be the heat, like, like just because it's a hot beverage versus a cold one. I always thought that oh, might be we do be a perfect. bunch of cold brew ones. Okay. For sure. And we, we also combine it with things like we have one called an industry standard where it's got Fernet. And what coffee. is Fernet? That is Fernet the is, well, it's called industry standard because that's for mostly in San Francisco, but some other cities as well. That's what everyone in the bar industry drinks. It's a very strong herbal liqueur. It actually, during Prohibition, was able to bypass the Prohibition laws by them just putting it in hospitals <laughs> because it's that medicinal. And it's flavor. super bitter, right? It's bitter, it's licorice it's really herbal. And I love assorted herbal liqueurs, and we use a bunch of them in the book. It's definitely the strongest one. So for someone who has issues with the acidity of coffee with alcohol, something that has an assortment of digestive aids, like Fernet, is a great choice. A while back, I went and I saw this uh, very sought-after acupuncturist. It's a Korean form of acupuncture down somewhere in Beverly Hills. And two different functional medicine doctors were like, I don't know why, but you need to see this guy. So I went and I saw him, and he measures via tapping and and like things I don't understand, uh, frankly. But like like he looks at the size, the relative size of your organs, and says, "This is what you should eat and drink." And this guy told me, "You need a lot of bitters." And so I went out and I bought like the most nasty bitter things I could possibly find, including anise, which actually I kind of like. Uh, and that's the stuff that was illegal during Prohibition, just for, for listeners. Uh, and I, I tried drinking these things, and, you know, I had this, sa- I, like, a half a shot a night, and I had the same effect if I drink alcohol every night. It makes me tired. Like, I'm like, I don't like this, and I did it for two weeks, and all I got was weaker. I'm like, this isn't good for me, and I quit doing it. But what are, if you know, then, like, what are the, the reasons you might want to go for bitters, like, like the really bitter alcohols? Like, what do they do for you? Well, bitters in general are digestive. Exactly. And those are great. We have a chapter called Don't Be Bitter that is bitters-based, obviously. And those are great cocktails to choose if you're going to drink really shortly after dinner. Because one of people's biggest complaints about having alcohol after food is that they don't feel the effects of alcohol. It just makes them feel bloated. So to have a bitters-based cocktail after dinner, you're going to help digest your food which is a good thing to do anyway. And in addition to that, you'll feel the alcohol a little more, which will make you drink a little less. 
That that's the kind of thing that I appreciate about your book. Just have, having that think, that thinking about it, like 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 I said, the okay. Thinking Girl's Guide to Drinking. So, like just paying attention to that and saying, all right, all right, if you drink, if you feel it more, you feel it less. Um, what if you do all these food based things? Are you going to necessarily drink more? Like like if you were to have you're all calling on an empty stomach and go out and party, like that's probably the lowest dose of alcohol that you're going to feel. So, well, then I discuss that how much what you eat beforehand depends on what you want to accomplish out of your night. And that if you are looking to really get a buzz quickly, have a very light dinner, then have a cocktail, and you're going to notice you feel it right away far more. Or specifically, it's the carbohydrates because it's the things that like stay in your stomach and kind of take a longer time to get through and that alcohol can literally soak right into. It's really hard for alcohol to soak into avocado, whereas it's really easy for it to soak into bread if you're talking about consuming something within a couple hours when the food is literally still going through your stomach. Got it. So what happens in the stomach really matters. If you wanted to slow down your alcohol absorption, what would you mix in with your alcohol? Specifically, blended type drinks. Uh, We have one called If You Like Pina Coladas. And I do big chunks of pineapple and bananas with rum so that you're getting all the fiber of the food. And I make a note for that drink, you're not going to feel this like you would feel a pina colada that's pineapple juice based. This will be a slower absorption because you've got the fiber of the fruit. This is going to be more of a snack. Have it with that in mind. Do you use Brain Octane in any of the recipes here? I actually have, um, about kava, there is a kava mocktail called Armored Hot Chocolate that I state is my version of Bulletproof Hot Chocolate. And you do cocoa powder, I think I add a toffee stevia for sweetness because the kava you really need something. Uh, A raw cocoa powder, Brain Octane, and grass-fed butter. It's interesting when you mix brain octane into alcohol or just even take capsules of it, brain octane has specific effects in the liver with respect to alcohol uh, alcohol production or not production, what's what I'm looking for. It has specific effects uh, in the liver with respect to how your liver breaks down alcohol toxins. Mm-hmm. And I find a huge difference in, in how I feel from it because when you have some ketones present, like brain octane raises ketones, you can also have uh, less inflammation in the cells because ketones make less free radicals than sugar does. So if you have a little bit less inflammation at the same time you introduce an alcohol that can be inflammatory, you can balance things out and you feel better. And there's actually like PubMed studies about that stuff. Like, wow, that's kind of cool. So that's one of the things that I make sure that I do in the meal that I eat. If I'm going to have wine or something, I all, well, I do this in every meal anyway, but I always pour brain octane on my food or blend it in or something. Even if it's a dinner time meal, I, I don't just put brain octane in the coffee. I just put it somewhere. And I find that that makes a difference for how I feel if I'm going to have alcohol. Makes perfect sense. I like the taste of alcohol sometimes, but I don't uh, necessarily want to drink. So how can I get like the taste of alcohol without actually having alcohol in a mixed drink? The easiest way to get the taste of alcohol without drinking, (laughs) which is a fun thought in and of itself, is to put in the other things that you would normally have in a cocktail. So right from the start, if you're talking something bubbly, something citrus, and you begin with those elements, you're going to have an experience that feels like having a drink. We have tons of mocktails that have a very 
cocktail experience because they aren't just a single glass filled with ice and a straw and some non-alcoholic liquids. We do things like one called a, it's the size of a vodka gimlet and I call it a Kimmy gimlet. And it's fresh basil muddled with lemon juice and maple syrup and you get a shot. It's a very strong basil, lemon, slightly sweetened little shot. So you get this alcohol-like experience because normally you wouldn't do a shot of something that wasn't alcoholic. You're not going to likely take a shot of lemon juice or something like that. But you have this bright green little drink that reads like green juice, but thankfully doesn't even have any vegetable juice in it. And it's sweet, it's tangy, it's super herbal. You get an experience. And that's what we're looking for most of the time is not just the taste, but the experience. That's a cool idea. I need to try that one. I mean, I, I, I certainly haven't tried all the recipes in the book because there's a lot of them. And, well, there's drink a that much. lot of recipes. <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy with dinner, I'll drink uh, sparkling water like a San Pellegrino or something. And for people listening, yes, yeah, San Pellegrino is owned by a big, mean, bad company. However, before it was owned by them, it was uh, a healing spring and it still is. So given that at most restaurants I can get that and I can't really get any other water and it's one of the highest sulfate waters, yes, I drink San Pellegrino. I just would like the company that owns them to recognize that water is a human right. right. So there, I said my both sides of the argument there. But I'll take San Pellegrino. And I will add a little bit of uh, something sour, like even a few drops of apple cider vinegar mm-hmm. and a few drops of, of different kinds of bitters. And if you get the right balance of sour and bitter, you drink it, you're like, it's kind of kombucha-esque. You're like, mm-hmm. I'm drinking something that I would almost think is either beer-ish or champagne-ish. And I, I play around with that sometimes, and it's, it's kind of cool. You can put little bits of turmeric and all. And it isn't even really a mocktail. It's just got the vibe, for lack of a better word, of having a beer with, with a meal without all the downside of beer, which is pretty substantial. And that's something that I really feel is underserved overall for all the different communities that don't have alcohol. One of my motivations for putting so many mocktails in the book was I did Kundalini Yoga teacher training this past year just to really deepen my practice and get a better understanding of it. And it's a very non-alcoholic community. Yeah. So they go to all this great trouble to make tons of delicious food, and then they have sparkling apple juice. (laughs) That drives me nuts. (laughs) And it's like, we're not eight years old. You could do so much better, and so simply, and people would be so excited about it. They, they would be. And also, don't give that to eight-year-olds. Like, it's like a super sugar bomb. It's like candy. <laughs> like, you want to see eight-year-olds misbehave at a party, give them sparkling apple juice. Exactly. It's not even a fresh juice. There's so little health benefit to it. So it was in seeing that community and how excited people got about food and baked goods and all of those things. And then when it came to what they drank, there just weren't very many options. And sometimes, quite typically, in social situations, you don't necessarily have food, but you almost always have drinks. So offering people a glass of water is just so sad compared to, hey, everyone, let's do shots of this thing that's going to make you feel great and taste good and looks good. There's clearly a space for these, uh, for mocktails that are really special. Uh, And I I like that about your book. Frankly, I don't read a lot of books about mixology because alcohol is not my high performance drug of choice. It's not a performance enhancer pretty much for anyone, maybe one drink for some people, but the studies are pretty clear about that. And so I'm like, I want to feel lots of energy. I want to feel good the next day. And like alcohol isn't necessarily going to be additive to my life. So to go to a lot of trouble to mix it, but your book is kind of cool because there's 
a lot of mocktails in it where the the social aspects are accounted for without the performance inhibiting effects of alcohol. But there's also alcohol in there because sometimes you want alcohol and there isn't a moral judgment about whether you want it or not or whether you have it yeah. or not. It, <laughs> not it's just like slightest. I try to refrain from those in general. Yeah, it's, it's like how do you want to feel tomorrow? And then you're gonna choose choose your food, choose your poison, whatever you want to call it. And it's the same. Well, I could go to Taco Bell, <laughs> or right, it, or maybe I could eat something better and have a drink at, with the something better and still feel better the next day. Right? right? Exactly. It, you're gonna pick and you're gonna dial it in. Exactly. And so much of our choices in life are just a matter of being informed by someone. So I really believe in covert nutrition. I don't think you should have to feel like you're getting knowledge to get some knowledge. That basically translated into a book where you get so many nutrition tips. You learn about so many different foods and you learn about different health promoting aspects of so many different foods, but you don't really notice because you're reading cocktail recipes. <laughs> totally. And I love that. I, that's what I like to see. And that's what I feel people respond best to is when they don't feel like, oh, I'm getting an education here. I've got to do this. There's no need for that. Now, do you put kale in alcoholic drinks? I have a chapter called Green Without Envy that's green juices. It's assorted ones. We use some just generic store-bought green juice because that's the most accessible thing. Right. And then we use individual juices like celery juice in place of olive juice for a dirty martini. So celery juice I can go with, but like actual kale. Do you like to say like juice a kale and put it in alcohol? We only have it in the context of like a mixed green juice. Okay, and I cool. say this will usually have spinach, kale, that sort of thing. I mean, I did, I did the kale thing really significantly by having a brand of kale chips. Right. So I feel like life beyond kale, life after kale. <laughs> I've had, had my fair share. I have fed my fair share to America. We're cool off that for a while. <laughs> oh, you make me laugh. Yeah, I'm like, I'm... I pretty much, I have kale in the garden. Uh, I, I oftentimes feed it to chickens because they'll eat it, but cows won't because they don't <laughs> like oxalic acid and neither will horses. Mm-hmm. And I, just, form, yeah. I, I kind of feel like it would be a waste of alcohol to put, to put like a kale vodka smoothie. Like, really? Like, it's just like, I don't know, like put bacon in and We do. Green juice is really, it's very popular yeah. now in, in cocktails. It's a thing in New York, especially at a couple different bars. So I did want to have green juice sure. in there because people are so into it. it, it and I sense. very much, um, I argue both sides of that argument as far as is juice good for you at all. Well, a mixed green juice with alcohol, I don't have a problem. But if you're going to like go out of the way to, I'm going to muddle kale with, it's like, seriously, like get over it. Anyway, I'm happy. I, I didn't, I didn't study <laughs> every recipe. I don't do that. Good. Thank you. I appreciate that. No problem. Now, if I wanted to muddle bacon in a drink, would that work? We actually do a chapter called Cocoa Butter Me Up that is cocoa butter infused alcohol and coconut oil infused alcohol, two separate ones. And typically that would be either bacon or butter. But in the book in general, I just really wanted to offer vegan alternatives for everything. It's already no gluten ingredients, no refined sugars. I just wanted to be like as across the board as possible because that's what I do in life. So the process that we use for that, we talk about how you could do it with bacon fat or butter instead which are both more common than doing cocoa butter or coconut oil. Yeah, bacon has a really neat thing with alcoholic. I, I, when you get just a hint of, of bacon, it tastes really good. I've tried bacon grease in Bulletproof Coffee, and it's freaking disgusting. I cannot make it taste good. I know some people say they have, and I just think that they may love bacon more than I do, which is hard to do, but 
It's uh, the smoke factor. And when you combine yeah. that with alcohols, that can be really delicious. Okay, cool. And it's also the fat. The fat washing process, which is really all you do is melt either bacon fat, butter, coconut oil, cocoa butter, any fat. You mix it with a hard alcohol, you shake it up, and then you let it sit in the fridge for a day or two. The fat separates and you get the flavor behind. Oh, and with cool. the flavor, you also get this really amazing silkiness. And that's the same thing from the bacon. It's just a smoothness that cuts through that burn at the end, in addition to the flavor of the fat. The coconut oil vodka basically tastes like Malibu rum without any sweetness. See, that's the trick. See, I was just throwing a few strips of bacon in the blender with the drink, and it just wasn't the same. Well, you can't blend bacon. I'm kidding. I wasn't doing that. (laughs) That would be sick and wrong. That's disgusting. (laughs) Now, bacon smoothies, they're not real. All right, I'm with you there. You do something cool with ginger. How do you make an anti-inflammatory ginger syrup that's not just like a sugar bomb? Yeah, we do both a ginger juice and a ginger syrup. And what I love about the juice is that you don't have to bust out a juicer and you don't have to go to the grocery store or a juice bar to get the juice. All you have to do is grate fresh ginger over a microplane or a grater, and then all that pulp that's left behind, you squeeze. And the juice that comes out is what we use in the book for ginger juice. I love that because it's a little milder. And then for the syrup, I just boil water with fresh ginger, essentially making a really strong ginger tea. And then you add maple syrup, honey, or coconut sugar to it. We do some without any sugar at all, like there's a lavender syrup that's erythritol-based. But I did have some non-refined actual sweeteners in there because most people generally want those and they're like, erythro what? Totally. I have another question. I don't know if you're going to have an opinion on this or not, because it, it's something that I, I meant to talk about a couple of years ago on the blog, and I just never did. And I recently was, was talking about it on Facebook, because someone asked me during a Facebook Live. When you're in ketosis, uh, alcohol has a different effect on you, right? Like yes. people who are in ketosis are less sensitive to alcohol. But I've also got at least one case where a friend called me and was like, I'm concerned I'm going to lose my immigration status in the U.S. I just got a DUI, and I didn't even have one drink. But I'm super heavy in ketosis. Do you know anything about this? I've heard of it. I've heard of it, and when I have achieved a ketogenic state myself, which is a little more difficult with the health issues that I've had in the past, I was like, what has happened to my breath? And take pity on people around me. It's a thing. You, you get the, the keto breath, which is exactly. kind of a dragon breath. It, it goes away. Once your metabolism is like done with toxins, I, I didn't get that It was just the anymore. first time I went into it, and then yeah. any time I've managed to since, it's never been an issue, but that first time was a doozy. And, and so the, the question is, like, is there something that might trip up some of the breath, breath aminers? And there probably is, um, depending on the brand and the sensitivity of it. So people who are in ketosis and drinking should know, first of all, uh, if you're on like the Bulletproof diet, there's par- there's times when you're in, in ketosis or if you're just on a straight keto diet, you may be more sensitive to the recipes in the book. Uh, and there's a risk that you could blow higher on a breath meter. So I would just say be really careful if you're going to be driving. Your best bet is to just take an Uber or a Lyft and, and just make sure that you know what's going to happen because the last thing you want to do is you're like yeah I had one alcoholic serving three hours ago and I blew up you know point one, and now I'm in a whole heap of trouble and it's really because I was in ketosis not because mm-hmm. there was any meaningful amount of alcohol in my system and that's important for an audience like yours that does that sort of thing often and that was something that I wanted to bring up about our history with alcohol because I know you have a lot of like paleo based mm-hmm. listeners 
And that was something that I researched and didn't include in the book because I didn't want it to be history lessons too much. But in doing the research about our history with alcohol, there's some, do you know a lot about that? It's pretty fascinating, our human history with alcohol. Give me the two-minute version. I think our audience would love that. Okay, so scientists have studied about 70 million years worth of our digestive enzymes and bacteria. And what they found that was published in the Journal of National Academy of Sciences is that 10 million years ago, we mutated, we had a genetic mutation, and our bodies created the ADH4 enzyme, the family that you referred to when we started, ADH. Before that, we didn't have it, and then we did. What that enabled us to do was start eating the fruit off the forest floor that was rotting. We had never been able to do that before, and our diet, while we were living up in the trees, was limited to the fresh fruit that we could pick. Once we were able to process the ethanol in rotting fruit, we began migrating down to the forest floor so that we had more variety. And our ability to process ethanol and widen our diet with rotting fruit is considered one of the main reasons we were able to migrate from living in the trees to living on the ground. So it actually plays a huge role in human evolution. That is way cool, and I totally didn't know it. That should have been our cool fact of the day, but I just didn't know it. I love that. I love that. And I kind of wish I'd included it in the book, because now I just talk about it every opportunity I get. It's a cool story. And it's interesting, some animals don't have that. Like, dogs don't have ADHD. No, lots don't. Cats don't. Yeah. And, like, I, I remember... Before I knew that grapes were bad for dogs, this is when I was about like 10, so going way back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so by the way, if you're listening and you have a dog, don't give grapes nope. to your dog. I had this, these dachshunds, I actually had four dachshunds, we had two old ones and two young ones. And so you can imagine like a little, I don't know what you call a, a pack of dachshunds, but there's probably a special name for it, like a, a wiener munchen or something. Anyway, uh, one of them would, would go and, and we'd pick grapes and the ones that the birds Right? They're, essentially, there's wine growing them. And we would throw them down, and he'd eat them. So this dog would literally get falling over drunk every time we'd have a big bag of grapes, uh, which was kind of funny, and he seemed to enjoy himself greatly. But no, I know I was not helping his liver no. or kidneys or anything. No. But You were not creating a performance-enhancing dog. He lived till he was 17 and a half, so he did it's all that. kind right. of the thing, though. Is it's you know, just like the elderly people that are eating salami and beer for every meal, and they're like, well, I'm 102. Worked out just fine. I kind of, I'm like, well, tell me what your grandmother ate, because that's one of the biggest things that's going to, to epigenetically influence you. So mm-hmm. I like to think that my dog had uh, a grandmother who ate bison, because dachshunds often take bison down on the plane. Yes. You just need like 400 dachshunds to take down a bison, and it's, it's like piranhas. It's terrible. And uh, so we had the ability to do it. A lot of animals can't do it. Some can, but obviously some things like fruit flies, like they thrive on this stuff. So the enzyme has existed for a very long time. It's been around for, in humans, 10 million years, or what you would call humans 10 million years ago. Australopithecines or whatever we were at the time. Do you know what percentage Neanderthal you are? Is that a 23andMe question? Yeah. My sister did it. And I don't remember. I just know that people have always been like, you have to be Middle Eastern. And I'm like, we're so not Middle Eastern. And then we did the test and there was like 3% Bedouin. Oh, cool. There you go. Finally, it made sense. And it's not just Middle Eastern. We're like the gypsies. So, of course, that was cool. And I'm the only one in my family that looks like that. So, 
Like, now we explained me. Explained so much. I, I found out the other day, because I went back and looked at my results from a couple years ago, mm-hmm. I have the Neanderthal mutation for less back hair. So, hooray, cool. I win. Yeah. That's, that's a good one to pass on to your kids. They do have some alcohol genetic things in there, too, about how likely you are to process alcohol and all. It's, it's fascinating because there's the genes and then there's the environmental switches for the genes mm-hmm. that are pretty much driven by mitochondria. And I, in fact, I didn't write about alcohol in the new book I'm working on about mitochondria, uh, other than like it causes inflammation. Inflammation universally decreases mitochondrial efficiency. But there's probably some specific things that happen around glutathione and, and mitochondria energy production cells, but it may even be beneficial for short periods for some things. Like I think there's probably some really cool science around that. And there's so many things you can do with alcohol to mitigate the inflammation. That's one of the things yeah. we use ginger for. Perfect. Is getting rid of the inflammation that can otherwise occur from alcohol. It helps a lot. And uh, in in my understanding of, of the universe of alcohol, there's the alcohol itself, you know, ethanol, Mm-hmm. that has an effect. And then the stuff that comes with it, it oftentimes is more inflammatory. And when you get, like you said, those, oh, yeah. those mixed like chemical color sweetener, high fructose yeah. corn syrup, crappy mixers, you should expect inflammation without the alcohol. Just drink the mixer. I was going to say just from yeah. that. Exactly. Right. That's not going to do you any favors at all. Yeah. And really, if you're going to eat crappy junk food, like go out and have like a really good croissant. It's going to be less harmful even with all the crap that's in there than you're going to get from eating a chemical mixer like that. So I, I tend to be pretty suspicious of those. Croissants are my traveling junk food of choice. There, there you go. Everything. Everything. If I'm stuck in an airport for too long, I'm like, well, now's the time. So I, I, I limit that. I, I've had, in fact, the only gluten I've had in the last eight years was in, uh, in Greece. I'm like, well, I respond differently to European weed. So I had... It wasn't a Christmas, you know, it was baklava. People but. said that, and then in Paris, I was totally expecting nothing would affect me at all. And I ate, because I, I eat gluten pretty rarely, and I ate more there, and my body did not love it anymore. Not one bit of extra love. It, it turns out there's, there's the glyphosate. A lot of flour in the U.S. has mm-hmm. glyphosate on it because they From spray the it to make yeah. it, yeah, they spray it at the end of the crop to make it ripen more quickly. You're like, come on, jerks. Like, that's not cool. And, and then there's a very different fungal biome in the U.S. versus Europe. And so they both contain mycotoxins, but they're different families of mycotoxins. And this is all tracked because of animal husbandry. And then there's a different yeast. In the U.S., we have American-style, high-growth, genetically modified yeast that grows quickly. And in Europe, they're like we have old-style yeast that grows slowly. So who knows which of those is affecting you? And it could be all of them. Exactly. And, and it's great because we're talking about alcohol. Like, okay, this bottle of alcohol makes me feel this way. And this one with the same basic name makes me feel this way. That whole thing, it may be different for people. And if you find something works for you, like, that's what's most important, right? Exactly. That's the goal, is to know. And if it makes you into a snob because you're like, oh, I like this one, but I don't like that one, you don't necessarily have to make a big deal out of it and tell everyone you know. You just make that choice and that's what you purchase. Exactly, and that's what you choose to do because you feel better the next day. Now, we're coming up on the end of the show, and I think you've already answered this question once before, but maybe you have a different answer today because people do it on the, uh, off the cuff. If someone came to you today and said, based on everything you know, like right now, I want to perform better at everything I do. I want to kick ass at life. What are the three most important things I need to know? What would you tell them? 
This is super off the cuff because I didn't know you were still doing this. I totally do this. I'm like, I've only <laughs> missed it once. I feel like in the year since, I should have grown so much that I have all these super different answers than I had last year. You did Kundalini um, teacher training. I mean, come on here. Oh my goodness. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, F Bob, we got you. Let's give you your ringtone right 15 there. 15 hours a day. 15, <laughs> like 13 hour days, 15 hour days. Outrageous. Um, definitely step outside of your comfort zone. I don't know if, I don't think that was one that I did last time. If it makes you drastically uncomfortable and it won't put you in harm's way, say yes. Heck yeah. That's where everything good happens. Stop listening to other people telling you you can't. Because you can, and you will. Cool. Everyone was like, you're gonna write another book? You just wrote a book. The book's still doing well, why do you wanna do that? And I said, I wanna write. This is what I wanna do. I wanna help people with food. I wanna do more of this. I will figure out a new book. I will get a great book deal. This is going to happen. And I didn't listen to anyone else, and everything went well. And the last one, I'm gonna stick with from before. Pat yourself on the back more often chill out, relax, congratulate yourself. You made it here and that is amazing. You are wonderful. That's been telling myself that, telling other people that, it's been one of the best things in life. We don't congratulate ourselves for wherever we're at. We have this more and more and more attitude and it doesn't serve anyone. Beautiful, well th thank you for sharing those. Uh, it's, it's always cool to see what's inside people's heads because when you just have to boil it down on the spot, it, it's, it's intriguing. What is tattooed on your forearm? Which one? <laughs> I don't know. Which, which, which is the um, best one? Well, they're, they're both. These are like my favorites. Um, this, is, this is produce of all sorts. That's cool. There's a big like avocado. A... There's all kinds of produce. And then um, this one is Ganesha and a watery heart and a quote that's a shortened version of a Mr. Rogers quote. The, he's my favorite. He's my absolute favorite person. People are always shocked by that. Um, the full quote is, there are three ways to the ultimate success. The first way is to be kind. The second way is to be kind. The third way is to be kind. So Love it. my tattoo is ways to success. One, be kind. Two, be kind. Three, be kind. I love it. Uh, one of the, the, my favorite quotes for Mr. Rogers is, look for the helpers. Mm -hmm. And when, his, when he would see something scary on TV, like, you know, disasters, terrorism, whatever, his parents would just tell him, Whenever something bad happens, just look around. There's always helpers. And then you see all the people coming in, and you just totally reframe things. Like, that's a pretty powerful thing. So Mr. Rogers uh, definitely had some ugly sweaters, but he had some good knowledge. He's like my life goal. Nice. I want, I want people to feel like Mr. Rogers made me feel. That is so cool. That's eventually. I'm getting there. It's a long process. He was a really good man. He was indeed. And I, you know, I didn't start out quite so exalted. Where can people find out more about The Thinking Girl's Guide to Drinking? Well, it is out November 1st in all major retailers. It's prior to November 1st, available for pre-order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all kinds of other online retailers. And I believe you're giving away a copy. I'm giving away a copy on the show today. You are. If you'd like to win the free signed copy of Ariane's new book, we can send it to you. All you've got to do in order to win the free copy of Ariane's book that is uh, just a little prize for this episode is the first week we go live on iTunes. Just head on over to Facebook 
and post about it. And in your post, link either to the iTunes episode of Bulletproof Radio or link to the blog post about it on the Bulletproof website. And tag Ariane and tag me on Facebook. And just put your favorite quote from the show or say something nice about the show. At the end of the week, we'll pick out our favorite one, which is likely to be the one that gets commented on the most or shared the most or liked the most. But we reserve judgment on that one. And then we will contact you and send you the signed version of the book, which was signed lovingly and carefully by Ariane herself. All right. If you learned something helpful today about things you could put with alcohol, you never maybe thought of doing bone broth and collagen with alcohol or all these other things, and if you're one of the probably 80% of people who have an occasional drink and want to feel good when you're done, or maybe the more commonly you have a lot of drinks and want to feel good when you're done, however it is, the Thinking Girl's Guide to Drinking has some stuff in it for you. And if you don't drink at all, you just want to have some mocktails that make you feel like you're drinking, it's all in there. So if you like the episode, I would appreciate it if you went over to iTunes. It takes you about 30 seconds. And just give us five stars. The reviews really, really matter because they help other people find it. And we're pushing 50 million downloads on iTunes. Probably a half a million people will hear this episode. So if you could just take a minute or two to go over there and leave an episode, it really makes a difference. So thank you and thanks for listening. Have an awesome day. Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.